It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are joined by Angela Maines, and we are going to have a conversation about protecting the story of your adopted and foster children. And obviously, we want to be able to tell the stories of our children and talk about our children. But for adopted parents and for foster parents, we want to also make sure that we're protecting their story, especially when we start talking about social media, because we need to remember that when we post something on social media, this is just a good rule of thumb, it lives forever. And so uh, I'm just so happy to have Angela Maine. She is uh, our senior therapist here at Lifeline and ministers so effectively to families that are going through difficulty and children that are going through difficulty and uh, just love what she's brought to our team, especially through TheraPlay and some just really intense therapies for adoptive families and foster families. And uh, just as we get started, I want to warn you that I usually call her Main Street. So if you hear me ask Main Street a question, that's still Angela Mains. So Main Street, just so grateful to have you here and talk a little bit really just about the importance of, of protecting the story of your children. Why is that even important? Why would we even want to talk about that? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, and I think it's, a, it's an important thing to talk about because I know families are so passionate and wanting to share the gospel and sharing what God has done in their lives through adoption. And at the same time, you've got a child wrapped up in the midst of that who has walked through some really difficult things already. And so as families go through things, they want to be real about what they're walking through but how you go about being real with other people is really an important thing to think through because it may impact your child negatively and harm the things that you're trying to help heal. Right. So I know you get the opportunity to work with both families, but then also older adopted children, not just older, but, but a lot of older adopted children. And certainly we don't want you to disclose something that a child has said, but in general, when these kids are coming to you, a lot of times I'm sure they say, I just wish my family knew, fill in that blank. Like, what are, what are some of those categories that they say, if only my family would understand or if only they knew? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, gosh, there's so many different things. I think a lot of times there's this underlying fear that they don't even always know how to put into words mm-hmm. that somebody's going to walk away or that somehow the abandonment's going to happen all over again or whatever it is that they've walked through, that it could happen again. And they may not even realize on a thinking level that that's happening, um, but it's more of a feeling. It's more of a sense um, that's hard to put words to, especially so many of our kids have walked through things pre-verbally and they didn't have language then. So that's, that's one piece that I think plays into it. And I think the other thing to remember too is that kids who walk through trauma often misinterpret even neutral social cues. So something we might think is very um, ambiguous or not a big deal for them, they may misinterpret it and it may become a big deal, but you may never know about it because they just are turning that over internally. So for example, let's say somebody were to post a picture um, and it might even be a proud moment or it might be a smiling, oh, look at what what funny thing that happened. If a kid doesn't understand or is misreading social, social cues, they may walk away from that and feel like people are laughing at them right. or making fun of them. So just being careful to be sensitive because they're not always going to interpret things the same way that you and I would. Um, and they're, they're doing it through this lens of, I'm already a worthless kid. I've been 
I'm a throwaway kid. I was left already once, so there must be something wrong with me. And so it's being sensitive to the level of healing that's taken place in those children because a lot of times you don't know what's going on under the surface. Yeah, and certainly we're not here today to attack social media or try to go the psychology of social media. But looking at the other side of that, I know that a lot of people that post on social media are posting, number one, to not brag, but to announce some accomplishment. Uh, But sometimes people do use it kind of as therapy and kind of almost like a community of people. I'm going to share this with you. And so the the tendency could be you're you're walking through difficulty with your child. You see families that are walking through that difficulty. They want to share it. Maybe some people will pray for them. Maybe just so people will know. Maybe just so people are aware that they see them out in public. Hey, this is going on. But the ramifications there, we know, is social media lasts forever. It's on the Internet. You can delete it. But, right, Google takes a a whole picture of the entire Internet. What, I think it's every hour or even less than that. So uh, there's no telling where those pictures, where those snapshots go. So, So talk a little bit about some healthy ways that families can maybe vent or maybe use that therapy or announce things without maybe going to social media. Yeah, well, and I think you hit the nail on the head. So often our parents are looking for community. They want to know they're not the only ones struggling with what they're struggling with. And so they may go to social media as a way to connect with others. And I think there are some forums out there that are a little bit more private where you can do that in a safer and maybe more anonymous way. Um, And definitely would encourage people when possible to look for or start some sort of in-person support group um, because you can share a lot more in person and again it's not recorded it's not going somewhere you may have something that you feel in the heat of the moment but in a week or even the next day when you've had a night to sleep on it you don't feel as strongly about it but like you said the internet's forever it's not going anywhere and if your child were to look at that 10 5 10 15 years down the road um, what are they going to think what are they going to feel and that's that's the hard part um, and, and I hear this often, too, after our, even our banquet. We, we put up the best stories, and they're awesome stories, but I have families come back and say, are we the only ones that struggle? Mm-hmm. So, again, they want to know they're not the only ones. But an environment like the banquet where you're in front of a 1,000 people isn't necessarily the place to air the deepest, darkest secrets or the, the rough moments. And so I think people, there's a desire to be authentic and sharing the story and the struggles, not just sharing the best moments. But then there's that balance of how and when you do that and doing it in a way that's respectful to your child um, and isn't going to embarrass them or, you know, they may be okay with certain parts of their story being shared now, but then in five years they may change their mind as they grow and develop and understand things differently. So thinking too, not just short term, um, but down the road, long term, what are we going to think and feel about what we're putting out there? Right. Wow. That's, that's good stuff. And, and I know thought provoking, right? Because for any parent, mm-hmm. really, we need to be thoughtful of our children yeah. before we post things about them. And uh, obviously I get the opportunity to speak a lot. And uh, I know one of the things that are great examples and great analogies are my own kids. And so I can talk about different things that they have done and different things that they may have done that were funny or maybe things that they were doing that were deep. And uh, certainly uh, one of the things I try to do is ask for their permission uh, to be able to use that story. Most of the time they give it to me and and sometimes some of the more benign stories, uh, especially my my older teenager, he said, if you don't mind, please don't share that. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about just asking for permission and what that could look like 
because um, I know a lot of families will want to go, well, I don't, I don't want them to feel like, you know, that they run the show because right. there's also that tendency in a foster care or in an adoption yeah. environment where, well, you have the cards. How do you, how do you ask for permission in a healthy way uh, when you want to post something that's exciting yeah. or joyful about your family? Absolutely. I, well, and I know foster care has all kinds of other restrictions as far as posting um, goes, but especially, I mean, no matter what the age of your child is, you've got to take into consideration their age, their developmental level, and what they're capable of granting permission to you for. Um, and and doing it as way, in a way of, I think, saying, you know what, I know that this is your story. I'm not the one walking through this. And I know you have a lot of feelings about how you feel. And I want to be really respectful of that. You know, and again, depending on their age and developmental level, you're going to have to word that differently. Um, but you know, what do you think? Do you mind if this is something we show people? Or how do you feel about that? And helping them think through, you know, I'm wondering if in five years, is this going to be something you're embarrassed to hear about? Because the other really um, important thing to remember is so many of our kids have a very strong underlying feeling of shame. And and so there's a whole lot that they feel like is their fault. And so as you're asking, we want to make sure that we're not asking in a way that makes them feel like they're going to be accepted or rejected on the basis of whether or not they give you permission, because there's a lot of that involved um, where they might shape their answer based on that. Uh, but just being sensitive, and that's where that attunement piece that we often talk about with knowing your kids and understanding what's making them tick. And if you aren't there yet with your child, then it's probably a good sign that you don't need to post that in that moment. And I think it's really important to ask yourself, why do I want to post this right now? What am I looking to gain from this? Um, and is this honoring to my family, to myself, to my child? Um, what do I, am I hoping people are going to give me sympathy? Are there other ways that I can get whatever need I'm trying to get met through this post? Are there other ways to do that without posting it to social media? And there are, there are things that can be posted, happy times, happy moments. But again, that, that question of, you know, I've seen families post temper tantrums or post, you know, things that are really painful moments for their kid. And a lot of times it's usually out of um, not understanding or un why the child is reacting a certain way. And maybe they're looking for help, but maybe look for another way to find those answers rather than going to social media. Find in-person people, and that's often hard to do, but maybe you make a connection through social media and then connect privately to ask your questions. But just trying to be sensitive. It really is a, it is a brave new world because... You know, we we have to think about things in a whole different way. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, back in the day, we would tell a story to a friend or tell a story at a supper club or yeah. out to eat with some friends, and the chances of that story would be retold and and would get back to your children is is just second. You know, hardly ever would it get back. Now we have to consistently think that anything we put out, anything we record, anything that's videotaped, anything that is in a forum can be and will be kept 
and and implemented. And so I think it's just even wise as we think about that to, to be sensitive to our children, to, to, like you said, ask them how they feel about that, but also make sure that when we post things that, that we aren't just centering it around the kids, but maybe even telling our part of the story and our contribution. So talk a little bit about how when a family has this want to post something, mm-hmm. maybe that's exciting or maybe that is just something they really want the world to know, how they can do it in such a way that's very much centered upon them as opposed to their child. Absolutely. And I think that's where you just hit the nail on the head is helping as you're fleshing through this, what part of this is my story? Because absolutely parent as parents... Our kids are part of us, and so they're part of our story. But looking for ways to tell that story in such a way that is focused on your own experience and not your child's. Um, As a mom, sometimes, you know, I mean, goodness, I think I feel like I fail more as a parent maybe than I feel like I succeed, and I think that's probably most parents because they don't come with an owner's manual. We don't know exactly how to raise them. And so as you're, you're fleshing through what the story is, like figuring out how to own your own part of that and speaking to your own experience rather than trying to make your child the center, like you said, making it more about telling how God's working in your own life, sharing what he's teaching you as you struggle through certain things. You can say that days are hard without saying specifically what's hard about them or revealing information that's personal or private. Um, and I think that that often is at the heart is people want a way to figure out how to be authentic with those around them. And so often what we post to social media is just the positive or shiny or it's the extra negative. And so figuring out how to be balanced, but in a way that's still respectful. Yeah. And I think really, as we think about it, there's just questions that you need to ask yourself before you post something it, about how you can tell the story better. And, you know, is it necessary to post this picture? And is it necessary to post the story? And, and just to be mindful about those things. Uh, and, and I think that's that's really any of us for anything that we do. Um, you know, Facebook, social media is being used by job for job applicants. I can tell you right now, that's one of the first things we do is look at someone's social media uh, profile. And so anything that you post now is being used by, you know, future employers is being used by potential future mates or anyone out there. And so we just got to be thoughtful. So give, uh, maybe as we're closing, give some just thoughtful questions that people can be asking and, and thinking through as they're thinking about, should I post this or should I put this picture up or should I tell this story? Absolutely. And we talked through a couple of them already. Just what is my motivation? Um, is it, are you going through personal sympathy or attention? Is there an unspoken need that can be met somewhere else? Um, maybe is this a sensitive issue for my child or is it a sensitive issue for me? Uh, and what's the smallest number of people that I can share this with, with and seek resolution versus sharing it with thousands of people through social media? How am I feeling right now? Is this emotional? Because journaling is another great outlet to be just completely honest and laid bare without it being on display for people to see tomorrow. Um, am I still going to feel that way tomorrow or is this going to be, is this temporary? How would I feel if this were a story that were being shared about me? Um, when I was a child, you know, lots of things along those, you know, what if the, the child's, my child's bully at school reads this, Mm. is this going to be ammunition for that child, um, to use against my, my son or daughter? 
Um, just different things like that. Am I honoring God? You know, what are ways that I can share this and honor God? Because we all have emotional moments, and I think we see emotions are God-given. David has tons through Psalms, but what we do with our emotions is what matters and how we process through that. Um, so lots of those types of things that we can think about. And, and as we talked about, how can I personalize this to make it more about me than about my child? And, you know, is this going to be something that communicates how much I love my child? Or is this going to do more damage than it's going to help in our relationship? And so keeping a lot of those, and there's a lot more on the blog post online that people can check out, but those are just a few questions. Yeah, so if you look at lifelinechild.org, you can go to our blog, and we actually did post a blog that will have a lot of these same thoughts and a lot of these same questions. And then I just wanna encourage you, if you're an adoptive or foster family, and you do have difficulties that are going on, or maybe your child has shared some difficulties uh, personally that's going on. Uh, I don't just say this because it's Lifeline, but, but truly Angela Maines is one of the best counselors and therapists out there. She's, as you can tell, even from this time, very empathetic and personable, uh, and, and just someone that your child will wanna talk to, that you'll wanna talk to, but also the thing that I love about Main Street is she wants to be on the cutting edge of knowing what's going on, and so she has taken so much of her time and her energy to, to go and to, to get trained and to get updated. But then also, as, as hopefully you've been able to see too, the gospel of Jesus Christ is important to her and that families are able to disciple their children is important to her. And that's our aim and our goal is that families will be able to disciple their children in the way of the gospel. So uh, Main Street, if folks are interested or need this counseling, how can they get in touch with you or with our counseling team? Absolutely. They can just give Lifeline a call. Um, or contact myself or Ashley Yeager is another therapist here and she's excellent as well and we will do our best to get you all in as quickly as we can or we'll um, put you on a wait list and get you some contacts for other resources but right now we do have some openings and we'd love to help as many families as we can. Well also if you want other resources you can go to our website again that's lifelinechild.org and look for the crossings resources uh, you can actually search for crossings resources and there are lots of great resources that can help you uh, as you consider this issue and so many other post adoption issues. Well thanks for listening to the Defender podcast for more information or to connect with me please visit herbynewell.com to partner with Lifeline visit lifelinechild.org follow us on Twitter Instagram or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.